Hello and welcome to Wake and Jake with myself and BBD as we get through the World Series. We're tied up at ones. There was a fun, wonky NFL weekend. We'll talk about that a little bit. Coming off an episode with Trevor Plouffe where he revealed everything. Hope you guys had a good weekend. Uh, we got the first two games of the World Series. A World Series, when we last talked to you, the Friday release. Sorry about that. Busy times. Maybe I'm not sorry about it. People liked it. People liked it. People are talking. Um, we started with a historic game one uh, where the Arizona Diamondbacks came back uh, from down 2-0 in the first inning. I think everyone had that that moment of, okay, the Texas Rangers are favorited in this series. They are undefeated on the road this playoffs. They have more big money guys in their lineup. Adolis Garcia has been, had been one of the stories of the postseason up until that point. They go up 2-0 in the first, and Zach Allen had been struggling. The answer backs. That's what they do. Uh, they end up taking a 3-2 lead. Texas ties it on an RBI walk for Mitch Garver, a scary inning there. And then the Snakes, Tommy Pham, who's been a storyline of this postseason, uh, and Cattell Marte, who has as well. Uh, they were up 5-3. It was a back-and-forth game into the fifth. Was this the postseason game we were looking for? Everything went kind of silent. No runs scored until the bottom of the ninth. Corey Seager gets Paul Seawald, which uh, credit to some internet people. When we were doing our series preview, and this is how bullpens come and go during the postseason, uh, we didn't really consider Paul Seawald against Texas and a little bit of history there. He's been in Seattle the past couple years. They've seen him the most. A uh, couple guys with good numbers off of him. Five-pitch walk to Leody Tavares. Corey Seager took him up top. Both teams threw their bullpen. Texas's bullpen was unbelievable, which uh, kind of funny. We talked about that with Trev. You could say whatever you want. It, it ends up coming and say whatever the hell you want. It comes down to one playoff game, one game of baseball, where in one game of baseball, literally anything can happen. Um, and then the thing that wasn't too surprising, Adolis takes Miguel Castro up top. Texas steals game one, and there was almost a feeling in the air of like, oh, man. You know, Texas Rangers, they, they were favored. Uh, they've got these dudes in their lineup and on their team. Was, was that going to be the Snakes' chance to make this a series? No. They come out and they dominate the next game. It ends up being a 9-1 final. It was closer than that for a long time. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, zero strikeouts. A little credit to the Snakes. A little bit to him probably not having his best stuff. Um, after he had to come in, that Game 7 against Houston. Did that matter? Uh, Snakes went up 2-0. The only run Texas scored, Mitch Garver, hits a ball down and in out of the park. Really impressive swing. And the only damage they got off of Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly was awesome. Uh, and then the Snakes, they stretched out the lead. It was still 2-1 going into the 7th. Snakes made it 4-1 top 7 uh, by the end of the game, it's 9-1. Uh, and then you're sitting there at the end of game game two saying, okay, so where are we at? Playoff series, everything moves quick. 
The Diamondbacks dominated the first two games. Uh, game one, dominant would be a little bit of a stretch, especially after they end up losing it. Uh, but they were up 5-3 for the final four innings of the game until Paul Sewald gets got by Seager. And then they stretch out this one that I think both teams are feeling pretty good. The Arizona Diamondbacks, you have to feel like our formula is working. We're bunting. We're stealing a ton of bases again. Merrill Kelly looks like a dude. Uh, your good bullpen was good except Paul Sewald. That's got to be your biggest fear right now. Like, if, if you come out game three, four, or five, and Paul Sewald gets got to lose another game, I mean, that's a red flag. That's a, that's a are we changing our bullpen formula type situation if Paul Sewald gets got again. So that's one of the biggest things for the Snakes going forward and Texas if they clip him at some point. Uh, they don't have to use their good bullpen in game two. So we've got... We've got fully rested bullpens going into game three. Texas, it feels like you stole one, and it's a 1-1 series, and that's kind of a win, which is a little scary, but also you take care of business tonight. You're sitting pretty. You'd have a lead in the series. It's 2-1. You'd guarantee it's going back to Texas. I think that'll be the change in the feel of these games. Texas, your base goal is win one game. Let's bring it back to Texas. You do anything more than that, you're feeling fantastic. The Snakes win a ball game today, and you're saying that we've essentially won the first three games. Uh, and you've got just a storyline that, I don't know, I guess only baseball can provide, and it's where starting pitchers need to become more, more of the sport, and they already have. Like, that's when we talk about shifts, and my guy, Jamalama Ding Dong, kind of had this best. Baseball has always found a way of adjusting, and it did not adjust to the shift at all. It's crazy. The adjustment was try to hit more home runs, which was like a double negative bad for baseball. Baseball did not adjust for the shift. And spoiler alert, we're still shifting. <laughs> like, go check out the infield when Corey Seager's up. <laughs> the shortstop is basically behind second base. The third baseman is essentially where the shortstop would be. We still have tasteful shifts going on, and I think that's okay. I think that's a decent product. Um, I still have a little deep cut in me that wants to see uh, outfield shifts restricted a little bit because when there's a line drive to the warning track and that's right where the outfielder was, I still don't think that's great for baseball. Um, my childhood is filled with doubles, and it feels like doubles are dead. Hmm. I've lost a lot of bets this postseason betting the double because i'm like what's better than a postseason double ball in the gap ball Perfect down the line starter like yeah and you're wondering if they're gonna get there or is the runner gonna get to third is the runner gonna score doubles are kind of dead and i like doubles so that's a little jakey deep cuts and i i don't need it like baseball's in a good spot but i don't know i kind of like limiting outfielders and getting more rangy plays We'll deal with that another time. Uh, what I was teeing up before I got distracted by my weird double ramp. Max Scherzer, the old bull, inner circle Hall of Famer. If you're making an all-time baseball starting five rotation, he's got a pretty good argument that he should be one of the five guys you list. Uh, and 
It's back where it started. Max Scherzer called up by these Arizona Diamondbacks 14 years ago. Do I have the numbers right on that? Let's see. Still holding. 2008. What's that? So, no. That's like 16, 17 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Drafted by them in 2006. So, also a long time ago. University of Missouri guy. How about that? Oh, yeah. Didn't have that in my Born book. Born in St. Louis. Him and Peter Fairbanks. I always bring that up. Um, he gets called up 2008 with Arizona. Uh, pretty good. 2004, his first full season. Pretty good. Uh, 30 starts, 170 innings. A couple more strikeouts per innings. At that time, that's impressive, especially for 24 years old. ERA is not crazy, 4-1-2. They traded him because they were scared that his pitching motion wasn't going to stand the test of time. They were worried about the whippiness in his neck. I guess I could see it. Uh, We're coming off a time period when I remember everyone was like, Dontrell Willis is going to break. And I was like, I don't know. How do you know that? Everyone said it with Chris Sale. He lasted longer than everyone thought, and now he's kind of breaking. Everyone said it with Strasburg, and that one was kind of right. Kind of right? You got a lot of mileage? Yeah, had the immediate stuff. That's an issue. There's a nice mid-range there. Uh, Scherzer are a little different. I mean, he's still going. He is 39 years old. The past couple years, he's gotten banged up a little bit, although that's... That's kind of normal age stuff. It's also a little rude. I mean, 145 innings with the Mets in 22... 152 innings this year, uh, and now we're getting some playoff innings too. So, like, <laughs> handful of starts missed, and when he did start, he pitched full game. Whatever. It's not bad. I guess we will find out tonight because Max Scherzer has looked worn out. Um, yeah, he's, he's not. He's literally like coming off an injury right now. Yes, he's he's rehabbing in the playoffs. I mean, those two of those are against you know it's against the Houston Astros as well. So like. That can be a little unfair, but he also hasn't looked. He hasn't looked great. Uh, we find out tonight against his old team in the World Series. He's essentially had two rehab starts. Hopefully, the the injuries are feeling better. Uh, you guys know I I've made an allegiance to the snakes at this point, uh, just out of a social media friendship. We're basically an online dating story. Hmm. But uh, Max Scherzer returning to Arizona, where it all started. In what could be one of his last runs, like I know that hasn't been talked a lot, but who knows where where Mad Max is is with that thought process in his career. Against Brandon Fott, who, if you've been watching this postseason, you've become familiar with the kids. This is his stat line this year, his rookie season. He's 24 years old. 96 innings pitched to the tune of a 5.72 ERA, a 76 ERA+. Plus. Uh, this guy is a legitimate prospect coming into this season. Uh, Baseball America had him as 27th. Baseball Prospectus had him as 83. So you're looking at a top 100, which I'll tell you what, 27 to 83 is a big range. <laughs> 27th prospect, that's a guy you kind of circle like, we need you. That's one, that's one of your organization's top two. We need you. <laughs> you know, if each each or got one player... In theory, he would be one. Not how it works. Um, 83 is more of a, hey, you know, you got talent. Let's find out. Those guys don't always work. Sometimes they do work. Six sports. We're betting on you being a major leaguer, but 
you know, fourth starter, or, you know, high end reliever for prospect 83 sometimes becomes the hope. Um, and with his rookie season, wasn't a ton of optimism. And he has now just turned into something completely different. Um, his final 2023 game log, he finished with a start against the Chicago White Sox that was 5.2 shutout. Maybe that means something. He got knocked around by the lowly Yankees. Hmm. His second to last start, 4.1, five earned runs. Um, a Yankees team that wasn't, wasn't doing anything this year. Fought. He gets the game one start in their wild card series against Milwaukee. 2.2 innings, seven hits, three earned runs, one walk, four strikeouts. And you're like, okay. The Snakes were listed as having two starting pitchers going into the postseason, which doesn't seem like the best formula. And that would be Gallon and Kelly. Which, hey, as good a top two as anybody hey, had, but... Why not? They literally do not have a fourth starting pitcher at this point. Um... So, they go on to face the Los Angeles Dodgers, the team that had had their number uh, because the Do- because Milwaukee series only went two games. Uh, they were able to have their other two pitchers lined up for games one and two of that series. Brandon Fott comes out for game three where a potential sweep is on the line, which nobody had that. 4.1. Two hits, no walks, only two strikeouts. I want to note that against the Dodgers. Um, They close it out. They sweep them. October 11th, my birthday. A little bit of a confidence builder. 42 pitches in 4.1 innings. You know, it's one of those playoffs. You got guys swinging early in the count. We've seen a lot of that this postseason. Uh, Guys not wanting to get struck out and trying to get a pitch early on to hit. Okay, so now it's getting real. Because that was 2 nothing. like... Snakes looked like the better team against the Dodgers, which kind of surprised everyone a little bit. They head into Philly. Philly's got this fear factor going on. Um, It's game three. Philadelphia's up two games to none. We're heading back to Arizona. Harper looks sharp. Schwarber looks sharp. Castellanos looks like a monster. Trey Turner looks like a beast. Real Mudo, I think he threw a couple around. The Phillies were fillying. Brandon Fott went 5.2, two hits, zero walks, nine Ks. Setting D-backs postseason records with Randy Johnson. Setting MLB postseason records with Randy Johnson. Insane. 70 pitch. That's a real postseason start. He comes out game seven against Philly. So we've got game seven rules going on here. Four innings, two earned runs. Uh, He did give up one homer, but also seven strikeouts. So our guy was being dominant again. You can't predict baseball. You cannot predict the postseason even more. In a game three, that's always a tone-setting game. But if Arizona wins... It's funny, uh, sometimes my sweet Jessica will ask a question that, uh, that'll punch me in the face a little bit, sports-wise, because it's a completely different perspective. Uh, 
as I explained to her that I'd be going to Game 5 of the World Series and I'm going to be lifeguarding a pool, which that was that was puzzling for her to get over. I mean, a lot of people in this office that's been puzzling for that that one that one she has a pass. Her first question she asked to that, okay, so this will show a whole scope of emotions. I told her, hey, I'm going to be going to game five. It's going to be a crazy day. Fly in, fly out that day. Um, they have a pool. I'm going to be lifeguarding. She initially heard this, parts of this, during the live stream. Mm. Live streaming tonight. Uh, her first question, kind of a fair wife first question. She's like, is it going to be all hot chicks? I don't know. Pool, Arizona. I don't know who got the suite that night. I said probably not. Probably going to be a lot of guys drinking beers. Older people. We'll see. Not ruling it out. But I was like... I heard a rumor whoever has it is excited for you. Yeah, which probably not hot chicks. (laughs) Um, So that was a fair question. And then... My Jessica dropped a a sporty question that I think we could have done a full episode on if we wanted to. Maybe we will. Who is the favorite in the World Series? I'll open up the DraftKings Sportsbook, and I'll get the odds right now because I don't know, and I'm going to order my lunch. Whoops. I'm going to start picking it up, save myself a couple dollars, get a couple steps outside. Right when the season changes. Yeah. It's just dumb. This time of year, it's nice. We're, we are here late, so it's nice to have a reason to step out. I so, should do it more. Soon it's going to stink. But um, DraftKings, where, by the way, you could go to DraftKings, bet just $5 on baseball, um, and you get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Uh, and you got a couple more games to bet, so you might as well do it. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code BAKERS. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball only on the DraftKings Sportsbook with code BAKERS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Licensee Partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, 21 plus ages vary by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash baseball for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Um, Jess asked me who the favorite is to win the World Series. I don't know. I am guessing that Las Las Vegas, like they still have sports gambling. I would guess sports gambling still has Texas as the slight favorites. It's probably yeah. I would guess it's roughly even. They do, but it's 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 they DraftKings currently has the Rangers minus one thirty five, the Diamondbacks one fifteen. And that's for every reason I just listed. Texas still has the big tickets, guys. Big tickets, guys. A lot of guys who have who have played a lot of playoff games Corey, not with the Rangers. Corey Seager's a World Series MVP. He won game one with a game-tying homer. Adolis is one swing away from being the most fearful guy in it. Uh, the Rangers have a couple more dudes in their lineup. Um, 
They would have six and seven at home. That has to get factored into all of this, right? Um, they're currently undefeated on the road in the playoffs, so going to Arizona for three doesn't seem probably doesn't phase them too much. Arizona has been the better team through the first two games. They were the better team against the Dodgers. Were they the better team against the Phillies? I think by the end, I mean, that's why you play seven, right? They answered back every time they got bullied. Each team has an argument there, and I don't know. I thought it was funny that Jess put me in a pretzel for a second uh, because if Fott comes out and looks anything like the guy he has the last three games, if Max Scherzer comes out and he looks anything like he has the last three games, the Diamondbacks should be the favorites to win the World Series the rest of the way. And we'll find out an important game three because if Texas also wins tonight... Um, they very much become the favorite, and that's the beauty of baseball. So we've got the young bull versus the old calf. Young bull's been looking good. The old calf's been looking tough, uh, but that can change with one swing or one moment. So excited to find out with you guys tonight. My only wish is that Texas doesn't win the next three games because, again, I'll be in Arizona for the pool and would really love to not see them get eliminated while being the lifeguard. That would be bad juju for me. Um, and excited to watch tonight. We'll be live streaming. We'll see you there tonight and tomorrow and Wednesday too. I just won't be a part of Wednesdays. So uh, come join us. We got quite the NFL weekend this weekend. Uh, kudos to the NFL, as I've been trying to point out a couple two-tree games to point out to you. Also, college basketball update, Cooper Flag commits to Duke. Nice. It's between them and UConn. I was excited to get excited about him. Now I have to hate him forever. How do you like that? And he's decided he wants that. So good for him. Knock yourself out, kid. See you soon. Uh, in the National Football League, we had an awesome weekend. Um, don't really need to go back to Bucks bills That happened. Bills ended up winning Thursday Night Football. Ugly-ish. Josh Allen, big stat game. Josh Allen with a nice stat game. Bucks with a nice cover at the end if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, from around the NFL a little bit. Just, I, I think there's a lot of boxes that need to be checked. How about them Cowboys? Dominant win over the Rams. Remember, I was starting to drink a little Rams Kool-Aid. I'm starting to not. Uh, Cowboys put a whooping on them. They put up 33 in the first half. Uh, C.D. Lamb looked dominant and nasty. He's a guy that wrecked a lot of fantasy boards this week. We had a lot of guys wrecking fantasy boards this weekend, um, and in a real fun way. We'll get to that. Uh, Rams 3-5 and five now. Seahawks are looking good. Niners are good. Uh, Rams are in a tight spot. The rest of that roster... Uh, still doesn't seem to have the juice, even though Cup and Nakua is kind of fun. Stafford's getting banged up every week, it seems like. Uh, I wonder if he's a guy that could find himself on the trade block, although that would be the next 24 hours or so, so I don't think that's happening. The deadline's tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah. But there's there's some, fun interest, last year. some interesting QB stuff. It'll be funny to see how much the NFL gets in the great game. Speaking of interesting QB stuff, the Vikings, back to 4-4. Four and four. They beat the Packers in Lambeau. Jordan, love you. 
God, I know there's some fun Packers QB stuff through the years and passing the baton. Maybe there's a second half of this season where Jordan Love will impress me, but so far, you. And I will say this. I want to backpedal a little bit and be soft. I was doing some earlier in the year hard conclusions, I guess trying a little bit to be that guy, and that's what we try to do with sports, so I won't apologize. Maybe Jordan Love finishes strong and something clicks and he figures it out because we have seen a lot of teams change their narrative the past couple weeks. The Vikings were one of those teams. The only problem that makes it unfortunate, Kirk Cousins, who'd been playing well, tears his Achilles. He will be out. Uh, will they make a move? There's Colt McCoy rumors because there's obviously Colt McCoy rumors. Uh, we'll see if any other quarterbacks really get in the game trade-wise. Their backup quarterback is a dude from BYU who wasn't in my book, which is tough because I've – my book's usually pretty good. Like, you know, normally there's like, quarterbacks, oh, that no. one game, Jaron Hall. I guess Hall, BYU, I can kind of see it, but fifth-round pick, um, six feet tall, listed. Maybe, I guess Maybe I, they do want to call Carson Wentz. I mean, I think he was, because he's the gap guy between Wilson. I don't know. Uh, Minnesota Vikings are going to have an interesting decision to make. I, I think there's some Colt McCoy connections, so people are leaning Sense. that. Um, but, yeah, let's, let's see if any of the NFL trade stuff can actually... Uh, Get jiggy with it. They beat the Packers. Packers offense. Golly. Um, Here's a fun one with a QB twist. The Tennessee Titans. New man on the Tennessee Titans. That's literally the last team we talked about. Um, They beat the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons who make the QB change at halftime. So we got a lot of QB action. Heineke comes in. After halftime, Falcons end up putting up more points. You wonder if they played the whole game. But Will Levis, one of the QBs in this year's draft, the QB that slipped, if it was a Harry Potter title, Will Levis comes in, 238, four touchdowns, three of them to DeAndre Hopkins. There's a little fantasy buster for him, although a lot of people may have slid him to the bench this weekend. You know, sometimes sometimes your friend Zach and yourself start a guy every week he's played and finally enough was enough and you start Kendrick Bourne over him and he had a fine day oh. overall, but now he's done. Um, and he hops on the bench. It's the beauty of sports. It's why I say it's the best reality television show. DeAndre Hopkins, who everyone had as the fading veteran, it's, you know, it's going to be weird seeing him in a Titans slash Oilers uniform this weekend. Mm. Three touchdown day, 128 yards. Uh, he put up a big bit, big day for one of my fantasy teams and another team on the bench because I still like me some D-hop. Throw it to him. He's huge. Will Levis did that. And what I like, Will Levis in the QB formula machine, and this is why I liked him, and I could dig up some receipts on this, and I'm not going to dig him up over one week of football against the Falcons, but when you do the world... The world. When you do the NFL QB scheme, I've run everyone through this. Not a lot of QBs go to the big boy schools. Will Levis went to Kentucky. Although they've had a solid couple of years, it's Kentucky. They've never been that football program. 
Not a powerhouse. He's got the work ethic. Remember team's biggest fears on him was he was too muscly and he likes working too much? Okay, I, I can kind of work with that. He's also supposedly, he's a weird guy. There's the Mayo thing that came up. Scott Hansen was all over it on Red Zone. He's a football fan. He apparently told Scott Hansen years ago, he's like, dude, I love Red Zone. I'm so this guy's a football guy in his heart of hearts with a work ethic who put up big numbers at a not football school. I can buy into all of that. So I was kind of in on Will Levis when he was slipping down the boards, not busting out receipts right now. The other thing that I like, I think Tennessee has a good football coach in Mike Rabel. And when they were clicking with Ryan Tannehill, that a lot of people were done with after Miami, I don't know enough about football, but from what I can tell, a lot of stuff is set up on big play-action plays because their offense runs through Derrick Henry. So if you can make the throw in the Tennessee Titans offense, you're going to be set up to have a couple plays where if you make the throw, you're going to have a nice day at the office. And that's kind of what happened with Will Levis. Big play actions, throwing deep to Hopkins, who's one of the all-time deep threat receivers, or one of the all-time give-him-a-chance receivers. He gave him a chance, and they had a big day at the office. Henry runs for 101, and the Tennessee Titans, they're sitting at 3-4. and four. Quick schedule look at Steelers. That should be ugly. At Bucks, interested. At Jaguars, kind of tough. Panthers, Colts, you can find the wins on the schedule to get yourself involved if you're the Tennessee Titans, who have a pretty decent track record of being involved. I'll drink a little Titans Kool-Aid. But it's also, it's so messed up fantasy-wise. Like, you know, they had had Malik Wills come out for a couple plays. Will Levis is going to get some runs. Like, this was an all-time do-not-play DeAndre Hopkins. Hmm. Puts a massive number up. Hilarious. Sports. I think they're headed towards meaningful December football. Three and so one at home for the Titans. Good for them. Um, Saints, Colts, uh, no thank you really, although you got some big fantasy days. Rashid Shahid becoming one of my favorite players in football. Just throw it deep to 22 and he might get it. Saints get the win on the road. They're four and four. They're going to lurk all year. Uh, Patriots, Dolphins. Dolphins end up dolphining, uh, although Pats, uh, Pats went up pretty much Dolphins the rest of the way, uh, 31 to 10 the rest of the way. Tua, three touchdowns, 324. Waddle, yep. Mostert, yep. Tyreek, yep. Um, you know, their, their formula works out. They are 6-2 and two and still, still feeling good about what the Dolphins are. Here's an all-timer. One that'll be tough to forget. The Jets and the Giants teed it up in the Meadowlands. They do this every four years in the regular season. And man, what a time to be alive. Um, Zach Wilson looks pretty rough for four quarters of football. Terod Taylor gets hurt in this game. Four for seven, eight yards. He comes out. Here comes Tommy DeVito, a guy that... Again, we, we work with the Talking Giants guys, Bobby and Pennick. see a lot of Pennick. I follow NFL football pretty close. I still get my, my college football fix in, but I'm, 
I'm not who I used to be college football-wise. I used to be able to name, like, you know, every every starting quarterback and what offense they're running and which coach had just gotten there and all that stuff. I'm not that guy anymore. Although I did see Tommy DeVito play at Syracuse, and I kind I didn't hate it. I saw a couple nice moments from him. He's a guy that's been around the Giants for a couple weeks um, in the mix. They pretty immediately undrafted free agent, signed him, or in training camp, been on the practice He's been squad, around the Giants. He's been around the Giants. On, on the scale of undrafted quarterbacks, the talk's been fairly positive. They until. treated... they. So there's a lot to talk about in this game. They treated him... I watched the Broncos play a game where they literally didn't have a QB on their roster, if you remember that. Mm. COVID times, they had a wide receiver play quarterback for a game. One of the toughest things I've had to watch as a Broncos fan, who I'll get to them in a little bit. Um... Saquon, 36 carries, 128. Brees Hall had one nice catch and run. That was kind of it, though. Itso facto, the New York Giants, they have a three-point lead. They're about to run the clock down to about 30 seconds. Fourth and one. Do you run for it? Get that one yard. And the game, if you get it, if not, they still have the Jets would still have to march down the field with about 30 seconds left. Uh, kick the field goal. Graham Gano, a guy who was your guy last year. Like it felt like he was one of the biggest offensive contributors to the Giants last year. An automatic. Do you kick it with Gano? What do you do? But Gano hasn't been that guy this year a little bit. They kick it with Gano. He misses the field goal. 28 seconds. The Giants' defense had been unreal. Some of the numbers that the Talking Giants guys were cranking out. Uh, Some of the third down numbers from this game. Just what they'd been doing to opponents. Okay, and you're still against, you know, the Jets, Zach Wilson. Two chunk plays. One of them, where the clock stops running, because Kayvon Thibodeau, who people had assumed ended the game with his sack on the previous drive, gets offsides. So after the play, clock stops running. Okay, they get up the field, make a second play. I mean, it's a short field goal. Uh, Spike it with one second left. Can't believe they got that off. Yeah, you wonder, clock operator. Ah, could have been different. Uh, Zerline, Legatron, Banks, Banks, what ends up being two important field goals for the Jets because they go to overtime. The vibes at MetLife, unreal. Part of me wishes I was there. Part of me is so happy I'm not because there was a lot of rain in this game. Uh, But you've got two fan bases. Everyone got their tweet off on the Jets, which I had unbelievable. Roberts from WFAN. I was a little shocked just because it's like, hey, I've seen ugly football before. With how bad the Giants have also looked, like I don't, I don't know. I I was saying the whole game that this thing feels destined for overtime. I don't know. I didn't know how it was going to happen, and I'll, I'll, the last minute I didn't think it right. Was gonna, it, but. it did feel like it crossed that point, but I mean the needle was never on empty. Like even kicking the field goal, they were like, "Doesn't this feel like a field goal that could just be blocked?" And that's how this like, um, Giant. 
Jets end up winning. Giants accept the ball, which I was almost like, maybe you should defer. If there was ever a time, there's ever a time that a team was going to win the coin toss in overtime and defer. Kind of felt like they should. And man, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, man. I don't know if I've ever done a 360 quicker on a coach than Dayball. He, um... The Daniel Jones throwing him under the bus. And then this game, where like, again, this is how this is how fragile sports are. If the Giants had won this game and they're three and five and they won a game without Tommy DeVito and they're playing the Raiders next week and Danny Dimes is coming back. Like, you know, there's some regrets over the Bills game, obviously, but there's a lot of stuff you could be like, all right. We can have a season. The Giants are fighting. They are now two and six. I think Dayball between I know Gano's got to make that kick, but does he? It's like Jets Giants. Ugly rainy day. Ugly game. Supposedly playing through an injury, and that's I don't know. And then the the overtime play calls with DeVito running the offense, was some of the saddest stuff I've ever seen. They were they were treating Tommy DeVito like it was me. Like if I got thrown into a Jets-Giants game in overtime, they were treating Tommy DeVito like it was honestly me. Like, hey, man, swing pass, just throw it to the running back. Don't think about anything else. Twice, back-to-back. And then they try to throw a screen pass, which if you're the Jets' defense, you're just licking your chops. Honestly, they were lucky that wasn't intercepted. And that ends up being a reflection on Dayball, man. Like, DeVito's been around the team. You should be able to fire up a slant. Or anything. Or anything. Like, McVay... Remember when Baker Mayfield went over to the Rams with McVay? I realize Baker Mayfield and Tommy DeVito are in different different ethoses. But you've had your paws on this guy for a little bit now that, I don't know, this giant season has obviously come off the rails. You know, I've come off the week where I I told you guys Rosillo, who's toughest on New York sports and Exhibit A right here, and he should be. You know, Danny Dimes, comparing him to Brock Purdy, which that's become a lot more interesting. The Purdy show. We got to get to that in a minute. Um, this ends up being an awful reflection on Dayball. And the past couple weeks, in general, kind of have. I know there's a lot of other stuff going on, but... Uh, and on the other side, the 4-3 and three New York Jets. Sure. Sure. I mean, how much would... If they beat the Patriots, who the Patriots stink, it was at home, and the Patriots just have their number, we'd be talking about the 5-2 and two Jets. They're 4-3. and three, Chargers, Raiders, Bills coming up. Dolphins. You'd love to get 2-2 two and two there. That feels a lot more like 1-3. and three. But then you got Falcons, Texans. The Jets are going to hang around. And will that Rodgers guy show his head? If I had the NFL script, I would bet yes. I would bet yes. There are two teams ahead of them in the East, Miami and Buffalo. That's tough. But the Jets are 4-3. and three. A lot of teams would kill for that right now. 
One of the ugliest games in NFL history. A black eye on New York sports in general. I had people, t- my Oklahoma friends texted me, what is wrong with New York sports? I don't know. <laughs> it stinks. It stinks. God. Um, <laughs> also around the league, Jaguars. They beat the Steelers at home. Maybe that doesn't surprise you, but again, the Jags have been in this weird influx. Who are they? They handled their business. It wasn't pretty. It's 2010. Uh... Steelers, Pickett gets knocked out, so uh, there's that as well. But the Jaguars handled their business on the road to become six and two. Which look around the league, six and two, um, good on them. They uh, they're they're winning me over a little bit, even though they still ever. I guess, I guess here's my thing. Every team in the NFL is gonna have one. Oh my God, what happened week? And I hadn't processed that within the first four weeks of the season. Their loss to the Texans at home, 37-17. The Texans were on the ups. Like, Stroud has looked good. Jags got punched in the mouth a little bit. They didn't expect to lose that game. I guess every NFL team is going to have one or even two games that you're like, what the hell happened? And I need to process that more going forward. Uh, And I think the Jags have earned that a little bit from me. Eagles Commanders. Eagles get to 7-1. and one. It's the best record in football. It's probably closer than you would have thought. Uh, it became a little bit of a shootout. Commanders, sneaky, just kept getting points late, uh, which was kind of bizarre, but whatever. I think the Eagles had the game in tow. A.J. Brown is breaking wide receiver records. He has another freak show catch. Um, just unreal what he's doing. Um, Commanders three and five, Eagles seven and one. Not a ton there. Panthers and Bryce Young get they get their first win, fifteen to thirteen over the Texans. So you got the two, you got the two kid quarterbacks there. Again, kind of an ugly game. The end of the game was hideous. Uh, a Texans player kept jumping off sides to try to block the final kick to win the game, basically with no repercussions. He ended up getting an unsportsmanlike conduct because he did it back-to-back times. Just an ugly watch if you're an NFL fan. The Seattle Seahawks, they put together a drive to win the game against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, 24-20, to 20, Dalton predicted it right. Um, the exact score. Uh, Seahawks jumped up early. Browns took the lead. Looked like they were going to get a win. And now those Seattle Seahawks, who I told you I kind of liked, and it was very eye-opening against the Giants. Geno's good. (laughs) Like, Geno Smith is good. That's fully processed. We're there. They have a lot of talent at the skill position. Kenneth Walker is really good. I like Charbonnet, their backup running back. And then they've got Lockett. Um, They've got DK Metcalf, who's his own freak show at wideout. And they dra- drafted JSN. They've got three really good options at wide Their offense is real. And their secondary is real. Witherspoon, the kid they drafted, he's a monster. Remember when they traded all their assets for Jamal Adams? He made what ended up being a difference-making play in this game. Like the Seahawks. Pete Carroll has a recipe. They have skilled players on offense. They've got a secondary. Like, they got something brewing. And they are in first place in the NFC West. They jumped the Niners, who lost again. 
Seahawks have something going on. Brownies, tough one. Again, no Deshaun in this game. They're going to need him back being something because otherwise they win this game. I think if they have Deshaun. But he's got a weird injury thing going on right now. Says he can't drive the ball. Ravens, Cardinals, let me check this box quick. Uh, They beat him. Cardinals were doing their pesky Cardinal thing, and there was some weird scoring late in this one. But the Ravens are 6-2. Think about that. Very impressive record. They're joining the upper echelon of teams again. Gus Bus, three touchdowns. Wrecking fantasy leagues around the world. Um, What's more important here? Oh, okay. Chargers beat the Bears. Don't care. Bears are bad. I was hoping uh, Bajent Fever was going to sweep the nation. We're not there yet. Let's do my Denver Broncos. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They end the 16-game losing streak against the Chiefs. Whoa. Scary number. Um, and they, it's kind of a dominant win. We've got a little bit of Mahomes flu game stuff going on here. Who knows what that's about. The Broncos have actually played Mahomes pretty well. If you remember, I think there was a Monday night game a year or two back where uh, Kansas City ends up winning because Mahomes throws one left-handed to get the big first down in that game. Um, Otherwise, that could have been it. Good on my Broncos, man. Um, You know they've lost me. They've won the past two weeks now. Um, Packers and Chiefs both at home. They're playing in Buffalo coming up. I wouldn't be shocked if they make that closer than the expectations are. God would really love to have that Raiders game week one and be four and four. Here's what I'll say. My Broncos fandom has been a weird thing. They keep continuing to lose me when I'm hoping they're going to hook me back in. They bring in Russell Wilson. They look like dog shit. They bring in Sean Payton. Onside kick, 0-3, 1-5, feels bad. They have me on the line a little bit again. Uh, maybe Sean Payton can still be that guy. Maybe it took him a couple weeks to adjust. Maybe it took the Broncos a couple weeks to adjust. Are they going to trade away players at the deadline? I'm interested to see that. Their wide receivers seem juicy to a couple teams. Bills, Vikes, Browns, Texans. Could they go 2-2 two and two through there? Can they be a serviceable football team? I'm open to it. Sean Payton, give me hope again. Chiefs. You put it down as Mahomes flu. You put it down as mile high. You put it down as Sky Moore can't catch. That's tough. Mahomes put it right in the breadbasket. Ends up ending my perfect streak against the spread. Snaps for me. Glad my Broncos did it. Um, There's a way to lose the streak, you know? Hey, why not? And then I think the biggest one, I'll give myself a couple pats on the back, but I didn't see the other side of it. Bengals. They take down the 49ers. 31-17 to in San Francisco. Bengals off a of bye week. Boom. Bengals not early in the season. Boom. The Bengals side of this does not surprise me at all. I think the Bengals are about to go, go, go. Um, they do have a couple tough games coming up, uh, Bills, Ravens. Um, I think the other, I think the the Bills and the Ravens are saying they got a tough game coming up with the Bengals. This is the team that's been there the past couple years. They are four and three. They start off slow. They start clicking. Um, Mick Joe Mixon's really underrated. The way he just gets yards every play. Um, 
The Bengals are clicking. Now, the bigger thing on the other side of it, the Niners have some injuries going on. No Debo. And more importantly than Debo, oh, God, you know, if you've been listening to the Wake and Jake ride, I, I'm just infatuated by that man. Trent Williams is out for the 49ers, widely regarded as the best left tackle in football, widely regarded as one of the best players in football. Uh, he shut down Micah Parsons. Like, nobody thought that was street legal um, or even possible. Trent Williams is out. And, you know, a lot of times we get away from line play because we want to talk about McCaffrey, who he's a sicko. Um, the Niners have a lot of guys that can put forward, like, I'm the best player on the team. Fred Warner, we got a Bosa, you got McCaffrey, um, Kittle. Trent Williams is probably the best player on that team. He is out, and they lose. The San Francisco 49ers, they are now 5-3. and three. Seattle's ahead of them in the standings, technically and literally. Uh, and they got to figure it out. They're going at the Jaguars next week. Versus the Bucks at Seattle, at the Eagles. And Brock Purdy is making mistakes. He got a concussion last week. There was some, I don't want to say jokes made about it, but when they lost to the Vikings, um, you know, he had a concussion. And I guess he was still out there playing, which what's going on, NFL? Uh, he threw an awful pick to end that game that was kind of like a what is you doing, baby pick? Is that concussion stuff? Is that just one throw? I don't know. Um, he gets cleared at the end of this week. He's making some mistakes, man. He's turning the ball over. I've got Sales Steve in our office telling me it's about Darnold season for the Niners. I don't believe in that. But you lost three in a row. Cleveland, the Vikings, and the Bengals. What is next as they play the Jaguars next week? I don't know, but that story developing in the NFL. So... I kind of stopped doing these entire weekend recaps for the NFL because, you know, that's kind of, sometimes that's not good content. Get a little rambly. Almost every game had to be talked about. Did you really need to talk Bills Bucks? No. Cowboys, I think so. That was a, that was a dominant performance. Vikings, they lose Kirk Cousins. I think that has to be mentioned. Titans and Will Levis, absolutely. Saints, Seahawks, kind of skippable, and I kind of did. Dolphins, I guess that could have been skipped a little more because I'm not shocked by anything, but Jets-Giants, no way. All-timer. A historic game. <laughs> Jag-Steelers, maybe. Eagles-Commanders, maybe. Texans-Panthers, maybe. Seahawks-Browns, I don't think so. Broncos-Chiefs, I don't think so. Ravens-Cards, I kind of did. Although the Ravens may be one of the best teams in football again. Bengals-Niners, no way. And unfortunately, Bajent didn't let me talk about the night game more. So, pretty electric NFL Sunday. We get a little Lions-Raiders tonight. Uh, I'm going to need one touchdown pass from Jared Goff for selfish reasons. If I don't, you may see a sad puppy on Wednesday. And that's mm. the beauty of fantasy football in this country. Um, speaking of beautiful, BBD. Trevor Plouffe, last episode. Make sure you thank him. Uh, that was a fun one. And on... I guess probably not Wednesday. Thursday, dude. If the if the trade deadline gets juicy tomorrow, last I year we I had. would guess we record something tomorrow and release it for Wednesday. Otherwise, maybe a wonky Thursday recap of my travels and wherever the World Series is at. I kind of like that. 
Maybe from the Maybe warehouse. Uh, we will see. So sorry about that. We'll try to let you know. Certainly in Thursday. That sounds saucy. But maybe Tuesday. Maybe it's a 10-episode week. What? That doesn't exist. DM Joe's a picture of yourself. Thanks, everybody.